how do you make fast channels work? And how do you make SVOD work? In this episode of the DPP podcast, we spoke to the Executive Vice Presidents and International General Managers at Pluto TV and Paramount Plus to learn about the 111-year-old media giant Paramount's approach to tackling two of the biggest challenges in the industry. Hello and welcome to the DPP podcast, your semi-regular dose of hobnobbing, hype vetting, musings and conjecture with technology and business experts in the media, broadcast and entertainment industry. I'm Edward Qualtro, Editorial Director here at the DPP, and I am pleased to introduce to you, dear listener, recent conversations with Marco Nobili, Executive Vice President and International General Manager of Paramount Plus, and Olivier Jollet, Executive Vice President and International General Manager for Pluto TV at Paramount. Marco and Olivier therefore lead Paramount's SVOD and FAST propositions, so it was fantastic to speak to them about the opportunities and challenges they face, and I am very pleased to share that discussion with you. Hello, Olivier. Hello, Marco. Thank you very much for joining the DPP podcast. The hardest questions first. Could you please just introduce who you are, maybe also where you are, and a bit about your roles and a short background about the jobs you've done at those organizations? Okay. No, great. Thanks, thanks, Edward, for uh, for the invitation. Happy to be here with you. I am the uh, general manager for Paramount Plus uh, International. That means uh, all country but the U.S., um, so uh, really a free spirit to bring the service to global. And uh, I'm based, uh, funny enough, um, I'm Italian. I've lived in a bunch of country, uh, but I ended up now living in Miami. So kind of uh, trying, trying to be in a place where you can connect to a bunch of countries in a very quick way uh, as you try to visit as many countries as possible. Uh, I've been in this industry now for quite some time. I've always been kind of had the connection between entertainment and technology. I would say almost 20 years or more in, in a role like that. And I've been uh, at Paramount now for roughly three years. And so this role has been really uh, an exciting role. I feel privileged about having this role and kind of uh, uh, bringing uh, entertainment to uh, to many, many countries. Last year, Paramount Plus uh, has launched many countries, but now in 45 markets across the globe. Um, and it's, uh, it's, quite, uh, it's quite exciting to see the, the adoption from, uh, from our fans in multiple, in multiple locations across the globe. So that kind of uh, gives you a high-level sense of, um, of what I do and, uh, and where I come from. Thank you, Marco. And I look forward to diving in a bit deeper into what you're doing at Paramount Plus as well. And Olivier, the same question to you, please, as well. Hi, Edward. Thanks for uh, welcoming me. So I'm, uh, I'm the uh, in International General Manager of Pluto TV. So I'm overseeing the, uh, the Pluto TV business for Paramount uh, for all countries outside of the, uh, of the US, which uh, today is uh, more than 35 countries already. Um, so I've joined Paramount in 2019 when Pluto TV was acquired by, uh, by Paramount. So I'm, uh, I've been with Pluto now for, uh, almost seven years at a time where we're, uh, still, uh, I would say a scrappy startup looking for the, the market fit. So it's been a incredible story. And I think I know we're going to talk about fast and how, uh, um, this, uh, original idea of, uh, uh Pluto TV became uh, a completely new industry. Uh, my background is uh, is also in the digital entertainment uh, industry. I've been in this industry for 20 years, more than 20 years, studying in the music industry, 
learn a lot there because probably was the first industry which was impacted by the digital transformation uh, and moved to uh, uh, more SVOD and now uh, into, uh, into the fast uh, area. Thank you very much. So that's a fascinating background. Maybe I'll ask some more questions later about what it's like going from the startup to the really big organization and maintaining that culture. But let's talk about fast, first of all. So I really want to ask um, about what some of the how you see the biggest opportunities and challenges in television and broadcasting. Um, it's very timely because we're doing a piece of work at the moment called Making Media Pay, which is looking at business models. So tell us about fast. Tell us about uh, making it work fundamentally, it sounds like quite a success story. Yeah, I, I think you know, I'd love to go back a little bit in the history of Pluto TV. If you, you know, Pluto TV was was uh, was funded or, or like launched on April Fool's Day 2014 in in the US, and probably at the time, you know, people thought we were uh, fools launching a, a free uh, service, uh, ad supported uh, service, and a li- with a linear component. So. Um, it was actually quite contrarian principle, um, you know, free at the uh, edge of subscription, uh, linear at the edge of on demand, and that supported where everyone was thinking that advertising uh, model will die. And, you know, if you go back in 2014, you know, probably everyone would have, or the expert were predicting the end of linear conception, the end of advertising model, and probably the only survivor of this scam would be Netflix, which was arriving in this market. And a lot of things happen. Uh, I think the first thing which is very important is, you know, if you have a look and you fast forward to today, Pluto is entertaining uh, almost 79 million monthly active users. And that's the, uh, the figures at the end of the uh, of 2022. So really from zero to almost uh, 80 million in uh, eight years time frame, I think is a, is a pretty remarkable growth. And I think the main reason is that we tend to forget that People are creatures of habits and they don't want to, to search uh, for content every time they want to be entertained. And we have a lot of users who love this linear, this lean back approach of Pluto TV because uh, we are curating the channel for them. We take the decision for them. And you have this experience of the linear experience, the TV experience that you used to, to have combined with a brand new experience in the digital business. And I think that is what really makes the fast proposition so so appealing. It's, it's a, in a way, the best of both worlds. And I think that's, uh, that's uh, the growth of not only Pluto TV, but overall the fast market is, is showing that first people love to have this lean back experience. And even Netflix tested some fast channels uh, uh, or lean back uh, project in certain countries. The second thing is, Advertising is not dead. And I think that's that's something, especially probably at a time of where the cost of living are going up, providing a premium free destination for end users is very appealing. It is appealing for the end users, but also appealing for the advertisers, uh, which are seeing a decline or yeah, I would say decline of the TV business and uh, the inventory that a product like Pluto TV or the FAS are providing is actually replacing to a certain extent what the gap that uh, that you see on TV. Thank you. I'm going to have a quick follow up before I ask uh, Marco about some of his thoughts on the uh, on the SFOD market. But since you've been in since this point quite early, I would say in 2014, what would you say are the keys to success and making it work? Because there's been a lot of organizations that have probably tried to spin up fast channels and maybe haven't succeeded in a way that Pluto TV has been successful and, and now part of Paramount? 
I mean, not always easy to define what is really uh, the recipe for success, but I think the first thing is great content. You know, obviously the acquisition by Paramount uh, in 2019 has been a key step in our development, uh, leveraging obviously the amazing assets, content, brands, iconic uh, brands that uh, Paramount uh, own from uh, MTV, CBS, Paramount Pictures, and so on. Um, I think it's, it's very important. Linked to the content is the curation. It's, it's, it's something where I'm start, I, I start seeing a lot of people claiming we can do fast. I do not believe in that. I think that uh, you know, there is an expertise needed to really curate channels uh, based on data, based on a deep understanding on the user behavior. And I think that that is something it's very important to spend a lot of time in, in the curation of the channels. That's the second thing. The, the second is a great product, uh, you know, investing in technology, in making the user experience the easiest possible is very important. Uh, what comes out uh, from all the markets we should, that we're doing is the ease of use of a fast service is very important. It's like TV, you'd switch on and watch, you know, in the case of Pluto TV or fast service, you download the app, you open the app and you can just watch no uh, barriers in front of the users. This experience is very important for the, uh, uh, I think, to be successful. Rethinking the EPG, you know, I remember back in the days when uh, we were presenting before we were acquired uh, the EPG to uh, potential uh, investors. Everyone was laughing at the EPG. It was like, wow, that's, that looks so old school. It's so like, well, but that's the strength of Pluto TV. That's the strength of the fast service. You take an EPG, you take the TV guide, something that everyone knows, and you make it different, easier to use because you use the technology to make it very interactive. So I think this is the second part, uh, technology user experience product. The third one is obviously distribution reaching the users where they are. Um, I think we managed across the, uh, uh, the, the, the last years to really be on all major devices from smart TVs, uh, game console, web, mobile, and uh, make really the app, uh, our product available easily for everyone. And that's something which, which is important. And I would add the fourth one is to build a brand, build a brand which resonates with the users, which stands for something. And it's very linked to the content, you know, the content helps, you know, fueling the brand and, and making uh, the brand like so unique. So those are things I would say in a nutshell, the key component to be uh, successful. Thank you very much. It was very good to hear, very succinct as well. So uh, I look forward to following up some work we did at the, the start of the year, speaking to people about Fast and, um, and feeding that in. So let's go over to the East Coast then, to Marco in... Um, Miami, I've got a very broad question for you because you're the EVP for, for Paramount Plus. So, so how do you see the biggest opportunities, challenges for your role, for like, owning that, that product? Well, certainly, certainly it's a, um, it's a big question. I think there are, it really kind of um, goes back to who we are as a company. I think that uh, when you think about Paramount, Paramount has always been a big content producer for a very long time. We do have our Hollywood studios with Paramount Pictures that started uh, 100 years ago. And that is what literally our, our DNA. We are, we are really good about producing amazing content. And then over time, we have developed uh, an infrastructure and our company has developed so much roots everywhere that has built kind of 
uh, networks, right? So we built uh, our our paid uh, channels, and then we had uh, our linear channel from a free to air. And if you want streaming, is the network of the new century. So we're basically kind of now getting into the next level of the network. But what really stands behind uh, having a great network is really having uh, amazing content that you can put into that network. So I would say that when I think about our our biggest opportunities to continue to deliver amazing content, and you have amazing content, you want to put that content in front of as many eyeballs as you possibly can. Uh, so that, that to me is kind of actually what uh, pumps me up uh, for uh, getting out of bed and going to work every day. Uh, because think about just the content that we have produced in the last year. I mean, uh, the Yellowstone franchise and the sequel of the Yellowstone franchise, the uh, Tulsa King, which is uh, very likely kind of a new franchise that we're going to continue to kind of uh, uh, produce over time. Star Trek uh, in the sci-fi world and uh, Halo that we launched last year, uh, all our content. And... Uh, and that content spans from uh, two major opposite points, right? You have uh, content that I would say is connect. So content that you really kind of, it's a real word or it's a real character. And so you connect emotionally to it, to that content. Or is escape kind of this fictional word or fictional characters. And those, you could call them the kind of the poles. But we do, we do there are companies that do one very well, but not the other uh, and vice versa. I think we are great about doing both of them and doing all the array in the middle. And so you think about our reality content, think about our kids and family content, younger kids with um, uh, all our Nickelodeon content and the Paw Patrol of things, but they're, they're raised big. And uh, you could say the SpongeBob, but SpongeBob also kind of, you could say is a kid's content, but it's very likely also adult content since a lot of adults actually are really in love with uh, Spongebob and then you keep going and you think about adult animation with South Park and then scripted content as we do great scripted content uh, both coming from the US but also internationally so having that array of content and packing that packaging that up and kind of delivering that to customers I would say that is kind of a great opportunity and at the same time our, our biggest challenge because um, you have to communicate in a way that, that people would really understand it Right, and sometimes you have to deliver an, an umbrella message. So, so what, what's in it for me? And also, kind of a specific subjective point that are connecting with the customer. So, you give them a title that they can really kind of relate to. And so, last year, one of our biggest uh, challenge was kind of coming up with this concept about a mountain of entertainment. So, Promo Plus is literally a mountain of entertainment, and sometimes. I actually call it a mountain of great entertainment because it's not just about the quantity, it's also about the quality. And that really speaks to our logo and uh, to who we are, right? So the Paramount Mountain, the stars above it. And what we really do well is kind of delivering blockbuster content across both movie and TV shows. Great stars that have come from the big screen and are now also on the small screen. And when you think about uh, the, the caliber of that, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, Kevin Costner, and you could go on and on. And uh, and uh, I would say SpongeBob is another great star that we have in there. So kind of different type of stars. So, and that for us has been kind of a great opportunity at the same time, uh, a challenge. Um, that challenge also transfers into 
who we are as a company and the transformation that we're going through, right? And so how do you leverage your legacy assets in a world where you're building a fast growing service and a fast growing team? So doing those things together at the same time, you really have to be very smart and plan very well to scale that in a, in a, in a fast way by leveraging all the assets that you have. And I give you some example. And I think our ecosystem has been really our, uh, our major asset into this. Uh, we have great partnership across the globe. We, we literally had partners that we have worked with for a very long time. Sky in the European market, our canal, and, uh, and certainly kind of a, a broad uh, array of, of partners across the globe. So how do you leverage that? to actually push into streaming, right? And so we have done these deals where we kind of had front-loaded a lot of our customer base by getting access into certain services to, uh, to customers, scaling kind of subscription fast, generating also a good inflow of revenue for us that also kind of allow us to scale more our D2C play kind of going direct to customers. And so that is one way in which you think about differently uh, having a hybrid model and kind of leveraging your legacy assets to go into something new. So legacy assets like distribution, legacy assets like uh, uh, the content and our capability to produce content in all of these countries. I still remember when other players were getting into a new country, a complex country like Germany, and say, well, this is the first time we land in Germany. Well, actually for us is we've been in Germany for a very long time. We've done content in Germany for a very long time. We do have uh, pay TV, we have worked with producing content, and every time that for us that we go in a new country, actually we've been in that country for, for, um, for a certain number of years and we've built a lot of knowledge there. And so for us, that's, that's another great advantage. At the same time, bringing the audiences that we've built there into streaming. And that comes another example with, um, I don't know, MTV has done unscripted content for a very long time. We have invented unscripted and reality, if you allow me to say so. And we have brought those reality into streaming, but we have done it in a way that we still leverage uh, the MTV audiences by using windowing as an example, where you would have, I don't know, uh, one episode on MTV and then kind of putting already this kind of the following episode already on Paramount Plus. So you actually push people uh, to actually, you're, you're a fan, you want to watch more, you, you, you get to watch it on Paramount Plus. So kind of being smart about doing those things, I think that's also kind of our, uh, it's a challenge because it's not easy, but I think we have done it in a very, in a very smart way and it continues to play, to play in, uh, in our favor. So uh, that is kind of one of, one of the biggest area that, that we tend to focus on. How do, we, how do we continue to kind of build this ecosystem and uh, sometimes we call it a, a super funnel. And it's not just with the legacy assets. To close, I would say it's also with the, the new assets that we have, like Pluto. And so for me, working with Olivier uh, and, uh, and Olivier's team has been, uh, has been great because allow us to do things together. Uh, we've, we've built, a, I don't know, a channel that um, might be called uh, uh, Paramount Plus presents on Pluto. So people get a flavor of what Paramount Plus is on Pluto. They can experience it there, watch it there, and then if they want to come, uh, they can they can come across. Building experiences where we have uh, expansive content, where uh, Pluto complements what we uh, what we have on on Paramount Plus, and uh, 
Uh, and the other one, and this is maybe less applicable to international so far, but more applicable into the US, actually leveraging all our advertising inventory across all our ecosystem. And that means also kind of leveraging it across Paramount Plus and Pluto. So as you can see, there's a lot of synergies. Balancing those synergies is critical for us, but it's a huge asset for the company. Thank you. I, I wonder if the brand and marketing team, though, you changed their slogan, Marco, to the Great Mountain rather than just building the building the mountain. Um, it, it sounds like you've, you've described a media ecosystem where nothing's changed, but everything has changed. So the ultimate goal is still engage viewers with great experiences and great shows. In a way, the business models haven't changed too much. They're either shows that are good enough that people want to pay for or that you are serving advertising against those eyeballs. Is that sort of a fair, a fair assessment of um, the industry that you're in? that we are in? I think it is a fair assessment. I think the customers have changed the way they engage with the content. I think customers have kind of decided that they have different ways to engage with that content. And uh, we have seen that actually they, clearly the, the overall world has moved more into a digital infrastructure and kind of by moving into a more digital infrastructure, people have taken certain habits. I think uh, I'm not here to uh, enlighten anyone about the the streaming business, clearly the streaming business has, t- has taken up because it gives it's it's convenient for the customers. You watch when you want to watch at the time that you that you want to watch it, and you watch what 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 is that you want to watch at that point in time, uh, and you decide if one one month to another if you want to continue watching what you are watching or not. Uh, at the same time, I, I think that um, Pluto was actually born as Olivier was thinking was kind of articulating in a way that leverages the exact same concept, but kind of also gives back power to, to the customer of also saying, you know what, I don't know exactly what I want to watch. I still want to watch it when wherever I am. And so it's still kind of a digital delivery, but I can actually have a lean back experience and do that. So I think the, the world has moved more into digital. And so some of the habits have changed from that standpoint. But I think that in the end is what you have is that if you have great content, if you produce great content and you deliver that in an innovative way and kind of try to give customer choice, I think that's where the world has changed. You want to give customers a choice to pick, to consume, and to do that in the way that they are more familiar with. Yeah, I would add one thing uh, is, you know, like in, in a way you, you know, you always add like in most of the market, a big free TV and a big pay TV market. And now what you are seeing is that uh, there is a shift towards uh, free streaming and pay streaming. The market research showing that those two markets will be revenue-wise almost equal. You could see that as a revolution or just an evolution of the watching behavior. People are going into streaming. Marco mentioned that convenience is there. At the same time, it, crea- it creates us when you watching patterns. You know, the, the binge watching is something which probably uh, exists. You were uh, going to the uh, uh, video stores and uh, taking all the DVDs and, and watch a whole weekend that, but it was not very practical. I think what streaming did is like bring the binge watching to uh, become like normal. And even in, if you have a look at, the, uh, at what's going on on the fast side, you start seeing very successful single IP fast channels, uh, a dedicated channel to Star Trek, a dedicated channel to uh, um, to uh, Catfish, to SpongeBob, and so on. 
And to a certain extent, it is the it is the extension or the uh, ultimate binge watching experience where you have a twenty four seven channel created for you with one single content in that channel. I'm going to tell you very quickly about an upcoming piece of work or that we're we're working on at the moment, and then ask where you can help. So we're doing a piece of work called Making Media Pay which is exploring rights management and content protection. But the big piece is about monetization of, of, of content. So we're looking at ad technology and other ways that you can monetize content. Can you tell us about any innovations that are taking place in that world, in ad tech, in the ad stack and insertion and in monetization approaches that organizations are taking? You know, when, when we um, work on the product, one of the big vision we had was really to create an experience which is as smooth as TV. And one of the frustrations, both for end users, but also for advertisers, was this loading wheel between content and an ad break. Everyone had that. The black screen, you have the small loading wheel. And even if it's half a second, you don't have like this TV experience. So we work a lot in building at Paramount starting with, with Pluto and we expand that really our own and proprietary dynamic ad insertion system so that when you watch the content and you have an ad break coming, you don't see that. The ad break is stitched into the, into the content, which help really having the TV experience in streaming, not seeing whether you have a net call and the waterfall and having all the ad server responding and so on. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And that has been uh, something where we spend a lot of time um, there is different uh, technology in the market, but I think it helps uh, making an ad experience better. And then obviously, you know, we're, we're in the world of digital. And I think that is what the reason why a lot of advertisers are shifting the budget is that you are landing into this big screen inventory because most of the usage on fast is taking place on the big screen, same on SVOD. And you have like, like the power of the TV ads on the big screen, people sitting in the couch most of the time, full screen experience for advertisers with the capability of digital when it comes to targeting, when it comes to measurability. I think that is a very important thing that makes the uh, advertiser happy. And obviously that's a good way of monetizing better the, the, the content. I think the other thing that I want to, to talk about is, I'm not sure if it's linked to innovation, but... For a long time, you know, a lot of the library content was not really monetized with advertising. And one of the, I don't know if we call that negative or positive thing of DSVOD is that right now it is a original content game. Everyone is producing and it's amazing for the end users. There's so much content to watch and I, I don't manage to watch all the great stuff that is out. But from a sudden, all the library content has been left a little bit apart and it creates opportunities for uh, content providers to monetize this content on a fast basis or an able, on, on, a, on, on an attributed base. So I think it's great. There is new models, new technology with improved monetization. And obviously, maybe we can talk about also future things. You know, I'm, I love checking out what, what's going on. There is a lot of interesting artificial intelligence driven ad products which are coming into the market still at early stage but that may change as well the way you do ads and the kind of ad products that you can offer to advertisers 
Well, maybe the other piece is about, I mean, uh, Olivier spoke a lot about uh, the advertising piece. Maybe the other piece is about windowing and, and, and how, you can, how you can manage monetization through that. I think, I think what's exciting today in the industry to me, in the, at least for us, has been like that for the last few years, is uh, you really have multiple ways to uh, monetize a piece of content. And by having a multiple ways to monetize a piece of content, you actually kind of uh, can afford yourself to scale up your content investment and produce uh, uh, higher quality content and uh, and in general a higher volume of content, right? So as a company, we we are lucky enough that we have uh, multiple ways to monetize a piece of content. We do have our paid subscription service like uh, premium, like Parmo Plus. You can have your free fast service like like Pluto. Then we have paid TV channels. We have uh, also free to airs in some of in some of this country, but we also have a, a great licensing team that can also make available that content in other areas, right? And particularly kind of it could be could be geographical areas, could be could be other services. If you're smart enough to use that windowing in your favor, you not only end up monetizing that content at a higher level, but you also generate a bigger audience overall for your franchise and uh, for your piece of content. And that is exactly the area where one plus one gives three. And example might be uh, you launch a second season. Now it's, it's funny, we are just about to launch our uh, second season of Yellow Jackets. And uh, for us, Yellow Jackets, I'm, I'm particularly, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show. I think it's, it's, it's super exciting. It's one of those shows where you can really kind of build a, um, a, a big, bold audience behind. And as you get into the second season, you always think about how do I get do I get this in front of as many eyeballs as possible? And so you you, you might start thinking about is there any sampling opportunity that you that you might want to do to get that in front of in front of more customers? That allows you to build a, a bigger funnel, and then that funnel continue to to be new, to build uh, uh, over and over again. We've done we've done this model with uh, uh, with a lot of our content and. Uh, uh, particularly in Australia or in the UK, where we have free to air, we have also developed local, local, uh, original content that we have put uh, in different windowing on free to air and on streaming. One example has been uh, uh, five bedrooms in Australia that was originally produced uh, the first season for free to air, but the second season has premiered on on Paramount Plus, and then uh, and with that with that. Uh, we kind of build audience and we monetize the content across across different uh, different channels. So um, I think it's another area where when you have the assets, when you have multiple channels, when you're great at producing content, then suddenly you have a capability that others just don't don't have, and uh, and and that really kind of kind of gives you a lot of scalability and uh, multiple ways to monetize your content, and so you continue to produce more and more content. I'll give you the last example. Top Gun Maverick, biggest movie of the year at the box office last year. Trust me, Top Gun Maverick has done astonishing number on uh, transactional BOD and EST and has done amazing number on streaming. 
And so that is another area where those things are certainly not in competition. They build on each other. And as you go theatrical, transactional, and streaming, they continue to build all over. And I'm pretty sure Top Gun Maverick will continue, will continue to deliver for many, many more years as we move that through, through the pipe. So that to me is a, it's an incredible power that we have as a company and any place in our favor. Marco, I know you have a background in some other sectors, I suppose, e-commerce and a bit of gaming as well. Is there anything that you think you've taken from those industries that are relevant to media entertainment? And are there any other sectors that you uh, that you sort of look to for any inspiration? And, and while you're talking, I'm going to give Olivier some, think, some thinking time, which is how does an organization that's a pure play startup, maintain its culture when it gets taken over by one of the one of the giants. But Marco, you go first, please. Yeah, well, it's kind of, I mean, some of the industry that you've mentioned in the end, when you think about those are what I was mentioning at the beginning is kind of, it's literally an intersection of entertainment. It's um, sometimes entertainment, but it's also kind of technology. And it's very often is a, a direct consumer business, right? And so... I would say that one of the things that um, I've certainly learned throughout my career is that how do you bring consumers into your way of thinking? How do you really kind of use uh, ways to think about what consumer wants? Sometimes, uh, and I think uh, uh, it happens very often, you're overly uh, concerned about your competition while instead you should be overly uh, obsessed over your customer. And the way you do that, you need clear processes and inputs to actually understand that. And, and one of the things that, for instance, to me is, is critical is that um, every week we have a, uh, a weekly business review. Uh, I know, I mean, our job seems to be just, just fine and just watching movies and, and then TV shows, but sometimes we actually have to review uh, some of the numbers that we're doing. But I think that the way we start the meeting, we always try to start with uh, by looking at what uh, what inputs we have from the customers, and uh, and those might be multiple things. You can have a, a clear feedback through uh, customer support. You can look at your social handles and see and see what, what those customers are telling you. But you also kind of look at the behavior that these customers have on your platform, and understanding clearly from uh, KPIs and trends what you have to to adjust. Uh, and I think, and I think over time that becomes sort of a way to really be, to really build a, a habit and a way of work for the team. And, um, sometimes it seems kind of obsessing over, over a lot of KPIs, but I think that really kind of gives you the right practice to, to understand what your fans want, what they are watching, what they are enjoying, what they don't like, what they're asking for. And, uh, and the more you can read through that, the more you can, you can reapply that for the future. And that, I would say, it works the same way in e-commerce. It works the same way in gaming. It could work in the same way across many, many businesses that are direct to consumer. Uh, so that's certainly something that, that, I, uh, that I learned over time. And if you don't pay attention to those things, uh, I think you're going to be, you're going to kind of rapidly fall behind what, what the customer is looking at uh, as a brand and as a service. Um, so certainly that is that is, um, and when I think about other areas and other businesses that that kind of other industry that kind of tend to do that well, it's funny. Sometimes we always think about kind of highly digital business, but uh, I would say 
uh, an airline could be a good example. I think uh, I think it's an it's an industry that moves uh, millions of customers on a on a daily basis, and you have to be extremely focused on the experience that they get. And if you don't understand what they are enjoying, what how they are consuming, and how they actually interact with you, I think it's a uh, um, it's it, it's it's something that you can you can certainly learn learn from. Finally enough, we've done we've done a bunch of partnership with airlines, so that's also kind of help us in kind of helping each other and making both of our brands more relevant and uh, and entertain uh, fans and passengers. If you want, I mean, we kind of we did something with British Airways in the UK, which which is great. Uh, I think if you take an international flight today from from uh, from the UK and go everywhere all in the world, you're probably going to experience some Paramount Plus. We've done a great partnership with Qantas in Australia, um, and um, and you've probably have seen uh, have seen us kind of uh, uh, doing a good partnership with Delta for for uh, for the US. So there's a there's a lot that that, that we have done. It's a good example of another industry we've looked very closely to. And Olivier, can you remember your question? How do you maintain your your secret sauce when you get acquired? That's a good question. It's not easy to answer. I mean, you know, I think, I think what one of the uh, the strength in the acquisition and the process, for example, that where Parma has been really clever is to uh, to acknowledge that there was a huge value in having you know entrepreneur mindsets this willingness to disrupt all the time, to work in more agile way. And I think, you know, post acquisition, it's, it was all about finding the balance because, I mean, I would say one of the, uh, uh, the big uh, achievement and probably uh, the a really clever move from Bob Backage was obviously to establish Tom Ryan, um, who is the, the co-founder of Pluto TV as the uh, internet global CEO for streaming, you know, and Tom uh, is a serial entrepreneur. I think it, it brings this, this mindset and, you know, we're, we're in a time of change. Um, we all know that um, all the media companies are in this process of transforming the business from a traditional broadcast company or production company to a streaming first company. And that requires specific mindset, specific skills. But as Marco said at the beginning, is it's all about finding the balance because you should not think that as a startup, you did everything perfectly, you know, leveraging the assets that you have in a company like Paramount was transformative for the Pluto TV business. We'll never be there uh, where we are with, uh, you know, 79 million uh, users uh, in 2021, we reach uh, a three years post acquisition, the billion in ad revenues going from 70 to 1 billion in three years. Um, and that would have not be feasible without uh, finding the balance between keeping this mindset, this, you know, this entrepreneur mindset, this agility to work and this uh, speed to execute projects, which is sometimes when you, the issues that you have in bigger companies, there's a lot of processes, there's a lot of uh, hierarchy, a lot of uh, people in the decision. Uh, uh, in the decision, And I think we managed to find balance. I think that's something which probably is important for all like startups being acquired is really making sure you're not rejecting what is in place in both sides. Taking the best of both worlds, I think is, is something which has been probably very successful and uh, you know, I think that's very important because um, the, the one thing which which links to what Marcus said, you know, if you, I mean, I think one of the advantage when, you know, when you're a startup, 
you always think on a daily basis to uh, how to entertain your customer. Being customer focused is very important. You have more agility because you're a smaller company to roll out things, to test things. But this, this is really what is what is important. And and I think we managed to really build this perfect balance at Paramount too. Um, and that's also the reason I think why we see the, the success of our streaming business. We weren't streaming not as a startup, but I think we have uh, we are a big company. We have an amazing portfolio of assets. But I think if you have a look at what we achieved on our streaming business in the last two years, everyone was probably thinking we're too late to enter the game on the uh, on the SVOD side with Paramount Plus. And look, we are the service with the highest number of signing in uh, in 2022. Same on Pluto, where. You know, probably when Pluto was acquired, there was a lot of skepticism in the industry. Well, like, well, where will it go? And it turned to be a, a massive business. And it comes to, I think, on the one end, the acceptance of changing the way we work, accepting as well that new skills are needed to be successful. And at the same time, leverage the amazing legacy that a business, uh, that a company like Paramount has been building Leveraging, obviously, the iconic content, the iconic brands is, is important. And also the infrastructure. You know, when you are live in already or you have offices in more than uh, 30, 40 countries, that is very helpful when you want to build a global business. When you have access to services like HR, legal, all those kind of stuff that change the trajectory of your business. So I think that is really what has been good. But the one thing I will say is, you know, to finish is, it's important to keep like this, the mindset is important. Also the, the accepting the fact that you can fail. And it's probably where, you know, the legacy business when, you know, when you launch a, probably a big show on TV, you can't really fail. In the digital business, you can fail. And it is important to fail and learn from, from your failures. And I think that's, that's something which is coming more and more and uh, and we see really did uh, a, a great adoption of this new mindset and 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 i think yeah i would say that that's more or less uh, a few tips or a few uh, advice on how to be integrated into a, a bigger company but it's every company is also different but keep the vision keep the um, the the reason uh, why you've been building this business is important because otherwise if you change your completely your vision and your mission, then you probably won't go uh, in the right one. I'm going to try and squeeze in two more questions. So maybe you've been so open so far, we might have to do the first one quick fire and then see how much time we have left for the last one. So this will be the quick fire one. What are any or some of the innovations, the technology disruptions, the, the emerging techs that you see in the media industry that you are most excited about? And they could be from a professional or from a consumer perspective. Marco, you go first. Well, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on the one that is on the mouth of everybody in these days. Uh, I think the uh, the trends in artificial intelligence to me are particularly fascinating because of the wide possibility of application, right? Both as a consumer, as a person. And as the industry, I mean, if you think about, and I think people tend to kind of bring that and bring that too far away sometimes. But if you if you could just think about how much artificial intelligence can allow you to do in the uh, VFX space, into the image analysis space, into possible personalization and content personalization, 
but also kind of uh, I think that there is more that can be done with that. I don't think we're going to get there, but it's uh, certain things that you could do with that, which is in the space of writing, as an example. I mean, um, I don't think we will ever see uh, screenwriting do with fully artificial intelligence, but I think getting support from artificial intelligence could be something that sh- that you'd like to think about. I mean, there are already, I don't know, I was reading the other day an article already, 200 books published, written through artificial intelligence. And a lot of people are actually thinking about, now I finally can, can write a book because what you might be able to do is that telling a story by just getting your artificial intelligence to start kind of giving you a draft and then build on top of it. And that's going to accelerate the process, right? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't take that too far away. I think people might think about, yeah, we're going to write an entire TV shows based on artificial intelligence. Maybe that's too far or maybe it's a good test to do, but it's exciting anyway. And it's, uh, and it's, and it's something that is going to open a lot of, uh, a lot of possibilities to, to increase the amount of, uh, the amount of uh, storytelling that, that, that you, you, you can think about, but it's extremely exciting to see all the possible application of it. It's just going to give you an entire universe of pushing through what you can do on a on a on a video on a video application. In, in, in the end, when you think about our success, our success is certainly about content and scale. And when you think about the scale and the capability of technology and innovation, even if we come from a long tradition of content, I think as a company we have made a, a very long way into developing incredible technologies. We are one of the best to run live sports. On our service, as an example, and uh, I, I, I think that's that. That for us, it, it's key, and it's it's not an easy task, right? So, being able to apply all of those, I think that's that. That to me is kind of a, a fascinating work. Well, I mean, obviously, I agree hundred percent with what Marcus said, and uh, I mean, um, all the application around artificial intelligence are true. I still, I do believe that there will be movies completely written by artificial intelligence soon, but let's see. I think there is great application also on advertising side, you know, uh, we, we, there is already like some really uh, amazing startup doing, for example, artificial intelligence product placement, which is really fascinating, uh, replacing objects on screen, you know, on the fly, uh, depending on the user's profile and so on. That That's pretty impressive. Complicated sometimes from a right standpoint, which is always, you know, when you disrupt an industry, when you arrive with those kind of product, it is uh, raising some uh, legal issues. But I think those kind of applications are, are quite outstanding. Um, and, and, and I think also like I, you know, all the things which is happening around the metaverse, I think is, is also very important because, you know, when you run an, an entertainment service, you, in a way, you, you, your job is to connect people around entertainment. And what, uh, what the certain part of the metaverse is allowing is like bring the people together virtually, but a little bit this, this personal connection, which has gone, which has gone away f- between people, you know, Probably, uh, you know, with everyone is now on the smartphone and uh, a virtual friend is real friends. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, but in a way, uh, the metaverse is bringing again, like a kind of, uh, it is virtual, but it is a kind of real connection. You can watch a movie together in the metaverse and that's great. We, we launched Pluto TV on the uh, Oculus and I think it's quite experienced at the beginning, but there is really interesting things on how you 
rethink the experience. I like to see, you know, Snoop Dogg having uh, in Sandbox and, and, and doing concert there. I think it's, it's pretty amazing when you, when you start navigating in that world. It's scary, but at, at the same time, I think we are at the beginning of a lot of new opportunities, especially for the entertainment industry. Thank you, Olivier. I'm going to ask one more question, so we're going to have to get some quick responses from you. So earlier this year, I asked the Chief Technology Officer at the Royal Opera House, which is 290 years old in London, for all the talk about disruption and innovation in in media and entertainment. What is the secret source of that organisation? What does it do or continue to do that uh, impresses him and amazes him every day that's sort of better than other organisations? So I think Paramount's origins go back to 1912. So unless maths has changed since I was at school, that makes it 111-ish years old. So 30 seconds, what does Paramount do better than anyone or as well as anyone that everyone could learn from? I think that's an easy one, at least for me. Content is by far what I was kind of, we were doing in 1912 that we are doing today and we are certainly... I don't know, thinking that we are the best, uh, my kind of go, I leave to the customer to think about it, but I think we are certainly one of the best in doing content and uh, and will continue to be one of the best in doing that. I mean, we've, uh, we have more than 140,000 TV episodes, more than 3,600 movies, and, uh, and all of those have uh, amazing quality. So to me, content, content continue to be king. And I've, I, 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 will, I have exactly the same answer because I think that is really what is Prime all about. It is uh, really uh, the content, the power of our content, the power of our brands. Uh, if you go to Paramount Pictures in, in LA, it is, you know, all the biggest stars in the world in the last 100 years have been crossing the, the, the gates of the Paramount Picture uh, Studios. It is Hollywood. It is what, what we're talking about. You know, those iconic movies from Gladiators and The Godfather have been produced by Paramount Pictures. And that is, that is, I think, what has been probably the, uh, the, the consistent uh, business across this year. The ability to, on the one hand, produce great content, but also adapt yourself to the way, to the kind of content that the people watch. Probably 100 years ago, there was no reality show. Now we're leading in that game. You know, uh, there was no animation, and now we're leading in the kids' uh, animation space. It's producing great content, but also like producing the content which is the right content at the time where you live. Thank you. And Olivier, Marco, really enjoyed um, speaking to you today. The DPP has spoken to many people from Paramount, from our different parts of our work, for different types of brands, Channel 5 in the UK and various others. So it was really good to um, to speak with you and hear about what's happening at, uh, at Pluto TV and uh, Paramount Plus. And hopefully we'll drag you along to one of our events in person soon as well at some point. That would be a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation, Edward. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks, Edward. Thanks again then to Marco and Olivier for coming on the podcast. Thank you also, dear listener, for joining us. And I do hope you'll do so again for upcoming episodes, where we'll next be discussing the future of localization with DPP CTO Rowan de Pomeray.